At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. As we kick off the new year, we invite you to tune into our current series, The Forgotten Virtue, Learning to Love Again, where we'll discover how God defines love, Christ personifies love, and the Spirit empowers us to love one another. Together, we'll experience healing and hope in the love God designed for us, a love we carry through every season of life. We're giving God the praise, right? Not the worship team, not a man. We're giving God praise. Thank you. <laughs> thank, thank you. No, it's good. I was ready to keep going, too. I'm, I'm excited. I don't, I don't want to start preaching. I want to keep worshiping. Uh, but, yeah, we can all be seated. Thank you so much, worship team, for leading us to the throne. I, I don't know about you. There's just something about singing hymns that just does something uh, in our hearts, especially when we can sing a song written in 2020, a song written 40 years ago, and a song written 100 years ago. That's just, that shows you the timeless nature of our Father and our God. So uh, it's 2021, we've been talking about this for three straight weeks now, uh, and we opened this year with a new series in 1 John, in a letter that John wrote to a church, uh, and he wrote this letter about love. And as we're talking about love right now, uh, I want us just to put our hands together and bless our children as they go to kids' ministry, because we love them. Let's just keep clapping for our kids, yeah. Come on, if you can't clap for the children, I'm not clapping for you. Uh, come on, this is our... This is our present and our future. Thank you for worshiping with us children. I love it. We'll wait till every last one of them is in their environment. Just a good reminder for us also, right? We have them in here so they can worship, but they're in here for you. You know that? So we can see the children because we need to be reminded of our next generation here. So we've been talking about this, uh, this series and, and it's, been, it's called The Forgotten Virtue. Learning to love again is the, is the subtitle. So we've been talking about this in First John because we need to understand uh, where if perhaps we've left love in the past, right? If we have left our love on our journey as a follower of Jesus Christ somewhere in the trunk or we left it in the shed or something, we need to go back and get it because it is mission critical for our journey as a follower in Christ. And what we've seen the first three weeks is that the love that God offers and the love that the world offers are completely different. Even though the love might, the, the, the world might parade love in front of us and say it's the same thing. This is the thing you're hungry for. This is the thing that you are wanting. This is the thing that you're looking for. But it is not because the love that God offers and the love that the world offers are completely different. And the world's love, right, like we talked about last week, is, is not necessarily love in the biblical sense of the word. It's like a really intense form of liking, right? That if you really, 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 really like something, then you can get to loving it. Or it's this sort of deep infatuation it's something entirely different than what the bible would classify as love and it's and the world's love is the thing that's most often written about most often sung about most often talked about the world's love you know things from pride and prejudice to the fault in our stars that's what the world talks about with love or the the songs that the world sings about love all the way back how many of you roller skated to endless love by donna summer come on so a couple people, yeah, amen. You, you remember those days, right? Or uh, boys to men, right, doing couple skates. I remember uh, doing a couple skate where I was one of the few guys that could skate backwards. So, man, I loved it. Those, those were great times, right, listening to, to boys to men, even all the way to Taylor Swift singing about love. And last year there were a lot of songs that were love songs, but they weren't love songs, were they, right? There's, the kids are out of here, so I'm tempted to actually go there, but we're just going to leave that one alone, right? The, the love that the world talks about is not the love that God offers. 
And as we look at that, as we look at the world uh, talking about love, singing about love, writing about love, we're left with the question, is that really the love that the souls of men, women, and children desperately need? Is that the love? Is that kind of love really the love that meets our deepest needs, longings, and desires? And the answer is always no. We know that. Because the world's love is temporary. The world's love comes and goes. The world's love is conditional. And it's from this foundational difference that the love that God offers and the love that the world offers being foundationally different that we have seen and heard for the last three weeks now that we as believers or Christ followers are called to a completely different kind of love. We're called to love even when it hurts. We're called to love sacrificially. We're called to even love our neighbors and our enemies. And it's a different kind of love that cuts against the grain of the love that the world is talking about specifically and this is why John has written this epistle to the 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 followers of Christ here in this church because he wanted to remind them that you are called to do more that the love of Christ if it is in you abiding in you and the word of God is abiding in you then you are going to love in a different way than the world has ever seen and as we see John talking about this love, right, he's, he's going to wrap up his treatise on love today. So we, we saw that he has talked about the world. He's talked about love. He's talked about children of God and children of the devil or children and enemies of God. He's going to wrap up love today and talk to us about what that means today. And, and you see him commonly using the, the, the words dear children or little children because we got to understand where the Apostle John was sort of in the, the history of the Christian church at this time. He's an old man, right? He's been around for a while. He's walked with Jesus. So he's like a celebrity pastor at this time. So when the Apostle John comes, everybody wants to come hear him, right? Because he actually walked with Jesus. He wrote a gospel. He wrote these letters. So his words were really important. And I think that's why he addresses commonly like dear children or little children because many people looked up to him and like any good spiritual father or natural father you want to lead your children in the right way to go now there was a problem when john wrote this letter uh, about some heresy uh, that was spreading about heresy is really something that is contrary to the the doctrine of the scripture that we would purport to be as true the true gospel there were two specific ones that john was writing against we're going to talk about them really briefly uh, but we're not going to spend too much time as in a history lesson today the first one is docetism docetism is is the thought that jesus didn't actually really come in the flesh that he came as sort of like a spirit or a ghost or a phantasm or something and he never actually came in the flesh never actually died on the cross it was just an image to kind of portray the kind of love that God wanted to show you and you can see understanding the gospel and all that it is how dangerous that could be if we believe that Jesus didn't actually come in the flesh and there wouldn't actually have been uh, an atonement for our sins so that was a very dangerous heretical ideology that John was writing against in the first six verses of John chapter 4 we're going to be in verses 7 through 12 today so the first six verses of chapter 4 he's addressing docetism and then he addressed Gnosticism Gnosticism is probably a little bit more popular. It comes from the Greek word gnosis, which means knowledge. So that it was this idea that there's like this special esoteric knowledge that if you just, you know, try hard enough or pray hard enough or think long enough or learn enough, that then you would sort of rise up above everyone else and that's how you would get to heaven. Not by Christ's work on the cross, not by the sacrifice of Christ, that it would be this, this secret hidden knowledge that you would try to get. So John spends the first six verses of chapter four trying to get rid of that. And then he gets into verse seven where he talks about, this is what you need to know. If you're going to be the beloved children of God, if you're going to love and truly 
truly embrace and embody his love and distribute it to those around you, you need to know these things. It's so important for John's original hearers and listeners, just as it is for us, to know exactly what we believe, why we believe it, and why it can be trusted. If we don't know these things to be true, then any good idea that pops up, we're going to be tempted to believe. You've seen that with the news. You've seen that with social media. You've seen that with, you know, I've talked about this already. I, I never knew how many virologists and epidemiologists I went to high school with, right? Everybody's got an opinion about what's going on, right? And they have this new knowledge. Uh, so John is saying, you have to know what you believe, why you believe it, and why it can be trusted. So as we look at John, we're going to be in First chapter, First John chapter 4, if you haven't already picked that up. First John chapter 4, starting in verse 7. Go ahead and turn there in your Bibles. Words will be on the screen behind me. If you don't have a Bible with you, if you need one, there's some at the Connect desk, uh, and I'd be happy to get them for you. Uh, as I was studying, um, a quote came across from James Montgomery Boyce, a theologian, who said this about kind of the balance of doctrine and love, and I think it's important for us to hear it. He says this. There may be right doctrine, but without love, it will be a bitter orthodoxy. There may be a sharp and well-reasoned apologetic, but without love, no one will be converted. So if you just know all the right things, but we're not walking in love, you know how bitter that can be. You know, we've, we've all seen that in Christians, amen? Right, when we're supposed to be the salt of the world and then uh, salt on the earth and then we're just a bowl of salt, a bowl of salt, if anybody's ever had it with a spoon, it's very bitter. That's what happens when you get a whole bunch of Christians together and they never begin to season the world, right? They just bounce things off each other and grow bitter. And that's what James Montgomery Boyce is talking about. But we're talking about the balance of doctrine and love. And what does that look like? It looks like this is what God had in mind when he sent his son Jesus. He told him about the knowledge that was going to need to be had. This is why Jesus came and taught everywhere he went because knowledge needed to be taught. But then you also need to do encounter Jesus and then ultimately accept his sacrifice on the cross so that you can receive God's love into your life and then be empowered by the Holy Spirit of the living God through the sacrifice of the son so that you might be God's love to others. So there's this, this balance, this interplay of knowledge and love that John is talking about that we're going to talk about today. Our big idea today is found directly from the scripture. It's 1 John chapter 4, the end of verse 8. Very simple. God is love. Many of us have been taught this from the beginning of our lives. Some of the first words that we have ever heard. God is love. Now, as we look through this and as we try to explain this and as I try to convince you that God is indeed love, we're going to do this in three points today. Somebody say three points. Amen. There's three members of the Holy Trinity, and that's who we're going to be looking at. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So, uh, turn in your Bibles. 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 7. We're going to look at this ultimate source of love in three points as we examine through the three members of the Holy Trinity. Point number one. Love begins with the Father. Verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God... And whoever loves have been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Two concepts that we need to point out immediately. The first word, beloved, and then the last few words, God is love. Those are the two concepts that we're going to talk about, spend time talking about to see how love begins with the Father. That if we don't 
understand these with the knowledge, then we can't rightly apply these through the Son and the Spirit into our heart so that we begin to look like God's love to the world. We have to understand what these things mean. John is addressing specifically here those who are in Christ, those who have been born again of God. As he calls them beloved, right, we're tempted to think, well, that's no different than a word that the the world would use, right? Like, many people are beloved in the world. Like, people have beloved dogs. People have beloved stuffed animals, right? My son has a beloved avatar blanket. Actually, Colton and Sarah, I thought about you guys when we got this blanket for him. He wears it around all over the place now, right? So he has a beloved blanket, but that's not the kind of love that God's talking about, is it, right? Not not, uh, things that we just love. There's something very, very different, and we have to understand so we can understand, amen? We have to understand that God is love himself. It emanates out of his being, out of his person, and he does indeed pour love onto his people, and what is the way he manifests his love? It's his son, Jesus Christ, coming into the world, dying on the cross, paying the penalty for our sins, and then him going into heaven. He's going to return for us one day, but while we're here, the Holy Spirit of the living God indwells in the believer and empowers the believer to love. So this might sound very simplistic for you today. Really, all I'm going to do for the next 40 minutes is share the gospel, right? And if you think that you know the gospel already and you don't need the gospel anymore, you're welcome to leave. Just make sure you bring some tracks with you to pass it on to others, right? Because if you know the gospel and nobody else does, what good is that, right? Everybody needs to know. So there's this 360-degree nature of being beloved. God is saying, I love you, that I am your father. I'm caring for you. I am the beginning of love, the foundation of love. It comes out of who I very am. My very essence, my very being is love. And he's saying that if you could get that, then you could, be, you could be able to embrace love, right? So it's super important for us to understand why John was talking uh, sort of on the heels of these heretical ideologies that were uh, beginning to swirl around in the church by saying, if you don't know who God actually is, then you're going to miss it. You really have to know today what the scriptures say about God, but then back then what the apostles said about God, what the teaching said about God, what the oral tradition said about who God was. And the lack of knowledge of God is always the root of a lack of love. Because if you don't know God, you can't know God. If we can't put those things together, then we can't understand truly who he is. So John is declaring this love as a foundational posture of the hearts of every believer. This is a a foundational identifying marker of every believer. That you are beloved by God. You've received the love of the Son. If you have received the love of the Son and you are a believer, now you have the Holy Spirit indwelling in you. And then you are the love of God to the world. So you see how there's this 360 degree nature of being beloved. That you are our love to the world. So if we don't understand that right, then we're going to miss it, right? And we've just spent seven minutes on the first word of our sermon today. So don't worry, we're going to speed up just a little bit. So that's the first concept we need to understand is beloved. What does that really mean? What, why, why is John talking about this knowledge? Why does he say it over and over again? It's a word that's synonymous with calling the church who they are, that the church are God's beloved, God's family. The second concept we need to see is the big idea and shows up at the end of verse 8 and it is that God is love. Again, it emanates out of his being. It is the very nature of who he is. He loves his people. He loves his creation with a perfect love. His very being is perfect love. The apostle is not simply like making um, a statement about 
uh, characteristics God possesses. It doesn't say God has love or God does love or God wants to love. It says that God is love. It radiates from who he is. And this is something that, again... Children have been taught from the, the, the first words they could hear. Children's ministry teams are affirming that right now as we speak with your kids that God is love and they believe it wholeheartedly and they run with it and they're like, yeah, I've got a loving God. And then they get back to their parents who have been jaded and scarred by the world who have a really hard time believing that God is love. That if God really is that loving, why would Christians hurt me the way they do? If God really is that loving, if he, just, if he is love, why am I experiencing so much pain? Why does it hurt so much? This is why this knowledge is so important for us. Remember that these people are on the heels of heretical ideology. These are actually the people that have come out of it, yet John is reminding them these same things over and over and over and over again because they need it. That our lives, just like their lives, with each other in community, are to be marked by love because God first loved us, because he made us his beloved, and he is love. If we don't understand this rightly, friends, then it's going to be so hard for us to love out of this rightly. If we think that God is just, you know, like some moral therapeutic deity that helps me when I need help up in the sky, but he's not, the, the very nature of who he is isn't love coming down to me, then we're going to be jaded real quick. We're going to be a bunch of legalistic, bitter Christians. But when we understand the love that God is, then it starts to change things for us. And, uh, you know, I want to I play a little game. Can we, who's ready to play a game? I'm not going to throw any cookies today, but uh, we are going to play a game. Uh, so I, I want to do something with, like, nicknames, right? I'm going to use professional athletes, and I'm going to say a nickname, and you're going to say their real name. It's not hard at all. It's a very, very simple game. If I were to say, and this is for people that uh, are fans of America's pastime, Hammer and Hank, you would say Hank Aaron, Right? Uh, Hank Aaron, who our beloved brother went home to be with the Lord uh, this past week. So uh, we're grateful for his life, and I'm grateful that he knew the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior. So he's at home with the Lord as of this past week. Okay, so you get the game. Now we're going to go on to a basketball player. If I were to say the GOAT, very good. Okay, I just want to make sure we don't have any heretics in here uh, that, that think somebody else is better than Michael Jordan. All right, real good. All right, now it's just on you. It's your turn. Braun. Man, what? Stop. You're messing the game up. Let's try again. Braun. LeBron James. Okay, you got it. Steph. Wardell Curry, the second. That's right. Uh, KD. Good. You got it, right? So you guys are really good at this. And these, these nicknames are almost like interchangeable at times, too. If I say KD or if I say Kevin Durant, you really know who I'm talking about, and they kind of mean the same thing. If I say Steph or Steph Curry, you, kinda, you know what I'm talking about. It's the same thing. So as we look at these interchangeability of nicknames, and then we look at what John is doing here with God is love, he is doing the exact opposite, in fact. He is saying God is love, but that is not interchangeable. Love is not necessarily God. And when we make love our God, we miss the point of the gospel very, very clearly. Because love, the way the world defines it, is temporal and it always makes me feel good. How many of you have been Christians for a long time and has always felt good? Zero. Okay, good. All right. So we're all here together. So as we look at this, that it is not necessarily interchangeable, that God in himself is the essence of love and it comes from him. But just because something is love does not make it godly. You've probably heard it said time and time again over the last couple years, love is love, right? Just respect it. Love is love. And that may be true in the way the world is talking about love. 
that it's a deep infatuation or it's just really, 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 really liking something. But that is not God necessarily. So we have to understand that God is love, but love does not make a good God. Amen? God is love, but love does not necessarily make a good God. So again, it's very important for us to understand what's going on here. That these were people that John is writing to, preaching to, that understood this, right? That they, they walked close to Jesus, some of them with Jesus, now all of them with the direct apostle of Jesus. And he's reminding them of the things that they probably already know, and definitely the things that they should know. And that's why we're doing it again today, because we have more Bibles and more translations and more commentaries and more Christian living books and more podcasts and more apps of Available than any Christians ever in the history of the world. We have more Christian information than any Christian ever in the history of the world. Isn't that amazing? But does that make our doctrine better necessarily? Do you see more Christians with sound doctrine really being God's love to the world now today than you did ever? No, because an influx of knowledge doesn't always mean that you get it, right? Just because somebody's teaching you something doesn't mean that you learned anything, amen? So we have to understand, just like John is telling us that we have to understand, and, and he's talking to his original believer, or his original hearers, original audience, and, and basically he's just reminding them again and again and again. The same thing that we've preached every Sunday in this series, John 13, 34, and 35, paraphrasing Jesus, he says, people will know that you belong to me, by the way you love one another. That if you do not love one another, it's going to be hard for people to know that you belong to Jesus Christ, right? Again, this is going to be a very simplistic message today, but don't hang up on me. Don't go to sleep because we all need this. We all need to understand this. So this is why life groups are so important to us. So that we can put into practice tangibly, actively loving our brother, Loving our sister, loving our neighbor and our enemies. Because when the world sees it, then they're like, oh yeah, that is what I want. But when the world sees Christians getting divorced at the same rate, they're like, why is your God any better than mine? When the world sees Christians spewing hatred out of their mouth, they're like, that, that looks just like the world. In fact, that's worse because you're taking a moral high ground and you're being a turd. I probably shouldn't have said that word, but that, so that's what came out. I'm going on vacation today, so I'm feeling loose, right? I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> so if I swear today, please just cover me, all right? Just turn, the, turn it off. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So as we understand that love begins with the Father, what this 360-degree nature of beloved means, what God is love, but love is not necessarily God, means it, it leads us directly to our second point and to look at the Son. That love is personified in the Son. Love begins with the Father and it's personified in the Son. Verses 9 and 10 say this. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. The son of God, Jesus Christ, is the visible representation of his love to his people. He sent his son, not just any son, not the fourth son, not the fifth son, his only son to die for us. And Jesus was the only one who could do it. That's why John is so clear about Jesus being the only son of God. It's not because God only has one child. It's because it's the only one who could have done this. He's the only one that was there from the beginning. He's the only one out of all creation that could have gone to the cross to bring people like you and I 
to him. The apostle makes it very, very clear that God is intentionally sending the son. Love is personified in the son. He intentionally sends him so that he could die the death that we deserved, but we never could have died for everyone else. He sends his one-of-a-kind son, his one and only son, to die for sinners like you and I so that we can live. He gives life so that we can come out of death into life. Love is personified in the Son. By expressing this sending, John, John's revealing like the, this magnitude of God's selfless and, self, selfless, excuse me, and sacrificial love. Love is personified in the person of Christ. The writers of the New Testament, if you scan through the New Testament, they were all extremely careful to make sure that the love of Christ was very carefully depicted. That they would never write in a way to where we could say the love of God could be dictated by human notions, right? By any kind of love that we could stir up in our own heart or our own self is actually worthy of ascribing to God. That it all comes from God. The only way we experience love is through God. The most intense way we've ever experienced and received love is from Jesus Christ, the Son. The world's love is most often cheap and quick and selfish. That's why love makes a bad God. But if God is love and we understand that, then we can understand this lasting nature, this propitiation for our sins. The late great J.I. Packer says, those four words are the gospel. That that's the quickest way to say the gospel, propitiation for sins. That there was a penalty that was deserved of us. Propitiation means satisfied or fulfilled or paid. That Jesus is the one who paid that penalty so that we could have life with God the Father forever. But it doesn't just start when we die. It starts right now, that we can have life abundantly here on earth. This atoning sacrifice to pay the penalty for the chasm, the separation that we never could have made up on our own. No amount of pure knowledge can make up how far you are from God. No amount of anything other than Jesus, God's only son, can put us in right relationship with God. We can't serve a hundred straight Sundays in kids ministry and get into heaven. Only Jesus can do this for us. And again, I know it's simple, but we need the gospel. We need to be, have our hearts encouraged by the gospel. This is how John says you test the spirits in 1 John chapter 4. He says, if you test anybody and they say that Jesus is the son of God, that's how you know they're from God. If they don't, that's how you know they're from the devil. So we have to make sure, and, and I've been walking around asking people, Ethan can tell you this. I just asked Ethan a couple weeks ago. I was like, hey man, encourage my heart with the gospel. And he shared the gospel. I'm like, thank you, you're not from the devil. Right? And I can just keep moving on. Jonathan and I talked about this rec recently too. It's a great way to figure out if someone is for you or if someone is against you. Just ask them to share the gospel with you. We're at, we are so out of the habit of sharing the gospel. Just all of us in our lives, walking up to somebody and saying, hey, have you put your faith, hope, and trust in Jesus Christ? Because they're going to think you're weird, and we think them thinking us as weird is more important than sharing the gospel with them. I'm not going to come down on us too hard, but we really have to figure this out, friends. So, none of us are called to be Jesus. Again, God's only son. None of us are called to do what Jesus did. He is the only one in all of eternity that could have done what he did, that could have lived a perfect life, died a sinless death as the atoning sacrifice for a bunch of sinful people, bringing them back into perfect fellowship and holy communion with God, their father. Jesus is the only one who could have done that. So what are we supposed to do about it, though? If we're not supposed to do that and we can't do that, 
what, what's the application for love is personified in the son? Selfless, sacrificial love. Right? We have a video that we're going to show. It's four minutes. Uh, it's from one of our own brothers, Jonathan Borja, uh, who plays keys here. He'll, he'll, tell, he'll tell you who he is. He'll introduce himself. But I, I want you to think about sacrificial love when you're listening to this. I want you to think about love being personified in the sun as you watch this short video with Jonathan Borja. Hey, it's Jonathan. You may know me from seeing me play keys up here on stage, and it's been a joy serving with the worship team. But I've been missing from physical church for a few weeks, and uh, I've been missing you all, and I want to let you know what's been going on. So the story starts back in my freshman year of college when I signed up for this national bone marrow donor registry. So basically, they take a sample of tissue and uh, use that so that in the future, if somebody ever needs a bone marrow transplant, they can uh, match you with that if, if your tissue type matches. Fast forward to December 30th of 2020. I have largely forgotten about this whole registry thing, and I was actually heading out to a Woodside Pontiac worship rehearsal when I get a call. And they say, hey, Jonathan, we're the bone marrow folks. We uh, have this patient, a baby with leukemia, who needs a bone marrow transplant to restart their immune system. And your bone marrow is the best match we have. Would you consider undergoing surgery to donate your bone marrow? And I said, huh. You know, uh, undergoing surgery doesn't sound super fun. And so I asked some questions. Uh, turns out that there's a very low risk of death, not a very dangerous procedure. Um, but there, there will be pain afterward for a few weeks. And it also turns out that this bone marrow organization, Be The Match, covers all, like, medical costs, travel costs, um, like, food, lodging, even. Um, but it, it does come with some costs. At least it felt like it. Because then in January, I had to kind of reschedule everything. I had to stay away from physical church and from other physical uh, meetings, just to be extra careful about COVID leading up to the surgery. And it, it was just, it was really inconvenient. <laughs> but then I went off to the worship rehearsal. And as one is apt to do when singing songs about God, I thought about God. <laughs> and I just, I started remembering all the things that he's given me, uh, both literal things like resources, material things, and people, relationships, but also just the love that he has shown me uh, when Jesus came down and died for me. Um, and I thought a little bit about the pain <laughs> involved in that process. And I thought a little bit about the inconvenience involved in that. Um, and, and I also remembered just that, that God, you know, he did not just die and give this one-time gift, but that he is actually with me and that he promises to be with me through this procedure, through any pain afterward. Um, and that ultimately he's in control. So like, I'm free to give whatever I have, whether that's my time, my comfort, or my bone marrow. Um, and so then in this coming week, I will be going off to Kansas to do this surgery um, and they'll be taking some of my bone marrow. And uh, 
so I would, I would very much appreciate your prayers, but I also just want to encourage you uh, that whether it is a special opportunity like this or just the day-to-day -day loving of people around us, um, to keep loving even when it's inconvenient, uh, because so many people have loved me even when it was very inconvenient for them, and uh, it is, it's just a joy to be able to show God's love again to other people. So we're going to pray for our brother here in a minute. But I want us to think about, yeah, you can, you can give God praise if you want. That's okay. You can praise him. You know, it's a, it's a privilege to be able to provide a gift like Jonathan is providing for a young girl that wouldn't have life otherwise. And he looks at it that way. We've had lots of conversations about it. But I think about our lives, right? Like maybe many of us won't be presented with the opportunity to say, a little girl will die if you don't give some of your bone marrow. That's, that's a pretty easy opportunity for somebody walking with Christ, in my opinion. But I think there are hundreds of opportunities daily in our lives to add life or steal life from those around us. We've already talked about this, about hate taking and love serving. And this is just a tangible representation of that. Again, we're not called to be Jesus. We can't provide a gift like Jesus provided for us, like God provided through Jesus for us. But what are we supposed to do? The only thing that we can do is to know and know and understand and receive the gospel and begin to live it out. Because, friends, if we're just coming to church but don't know the gospel, we're missing it. If we're just receiving songs and a, and a message each Sunday but we're not giving Whatever it is, like Jonathan said, time, resources, bone marrow, a, a kind word, uh, somebody who needs their driveway shovel, whatever it is, right? There's small ways that we can show how much God has loved us and then be God's love to others. So would you join me in a quick word of prayer for Jonathan? Father, I thank you for my brother. I thank you that you give us tangible and immediate examples of ways that we can love like you did, Jesus of ways that we can uh, see a need that someone has in their life and we can provide them life with everything that you've given to us. How much more for each and every one of us who have breath in our lungs right now, who are going to walk off the parking lot or drive off of the parking lot today. May we please, please have your sacrifice on the forefront of our minds as we sacrifice to serve others around us. We don't need to list a bunch of ways because, God, you are faithful to show us exactly how you want us to serve those around us. Protect Jonathan. Be with him. Send angels to minister to him and his family. Anoint all of the doctors that would be part of his plan. And for this little girl that is going to receive the bone marrow transplants, I pray that you would uh, superimpose your will onto it, God. That it would be all within your will. Whatever your will is, we want that. But we want this to be a, a successful transplant that Jonathan's selfless giving of all, what you have given to him, God, that he might be able to give to someone else and they would know that someone gave it to you because Jesus gave them everything. We love you. We praise you. And we ask in your mighty name, Jesus Christ. So as we look at love being personified in the son, again, uh, we're not all going to be called to have bone marrow transplants this week, right? But there are tangible ways for each and every one of us to walk this out. And what does it look like? If we know that love begins with the father, and if we know that love is personified in the son, point number three is where we need to land here, that love is perfected through the spirit. Love is perfected through the spirit. Let's look at verses 11 and 12. Beloved, there it is again. 
If God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us us. So John here, he, again, he is the apostle of love who is wrapping up his treatise on love. As, as any like good attorney would do, he's giving a great closing argument. He's saying that I've talked about love over 50 times in my gospel that I wrote to you. I've talked about love almost 50 times in my epistles that I've written to you. And now I'm going to give you the culmination of everything that I've communicated about love. It's that God is the ultimate expression of love, that he's the reason we should love, and he's also the resource for us to love with. We can't stir up love in our own emotion. We can't wish for love to land in us. We can't just say, please make me loving and just asking the world to give it to us or having enough good days strung together in a row is what's going to make us loving. It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit who now dwells within the believer if you've accepted the son's sacrifice. That is the only way we can actually be loving. It's the only way that we can be the beloved that John talks about in verse 7 and verse 11. And if love is perfected through the Holy Spirit, almost any time you hear the word perfected in the New Testament, you need to think of like mature or complete or full. If, if God's going to make his love perfected in us, the church, which I just don't understand why God would do that. If I were him, it'd be way easier if he just continued to manifest love with, instead of using a bunch of messed up people to show his love to the world. But that's where love can really be made manifest. That with a bunch of unloving people sitting up in a church in the east side of Pontiac, God has shown himself to us as true and holy and righteous and just and has shown how far we are from him and has given his son so that we can have life, so that we can have love. And on the heels of this, the heretical ideologies that John's original audience had heard, many of us not, might not be faced with tempting Gnosticism or Docetism in the next coming week, right? But all of us, I believe, are going to be faced with heretical ideologies that are going to come at us, different things that the world is going to throw at us, and it's going to just augment our understanding of the gospel slightly. But an augmented understanding of the gospel is what? Not the gospel. So as we understand the gospel of Jesus Christ, we have to know it so that we can know it and understand it. So we can receive it from God the Son, Jesus Christ, who went to the cross on our behalf because we had sin and separation that we never could have fixed on our own. But he did it so that we can be God's love to the world. So that we can be empowered and filled by the Holy Spirit of the living God who has perfected his love in us, matured his love in us so that we can be the Christian apologetic. So that the way the church functions can be a witness and a convincing argument to the world that the way of God and the way of Christ is better than the way of the world. But when we forget these things, it's no wonder that the world looks at the church and they're like, I'm not interested. That, that doesn't look like anything I would like to be a part of. It seems like just a bunch of people that get together on a Sunday and clap their hands and say amen, but then they curse at me on Monday. But then, you know, they're going through the same thing I'm going through in my marriage Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And then, you know, so often we see these terrible depictions of people that would call themselves Christians, but we know that that's not God's church. That is not the church God died for. That is not who the beloved is. That's not what the beloved walking itself out looks like, right? If you can remember way back in ancient history in May of 2019, right? I, probably none of us even remember back to 2019. Uh, 
there was a, a date where we kind of all got together, all 14 campuses at, at Woodside. We did something called Move Out. And we planted flowers and built gas grills and built a walkway and picnic tables and weed whipped a bunch of lawns and mowed a bunch of lawns. And it was great. And it was great fun. And I'm glad we were able to do that. But we didn't do that because we care about landscaping a whole bunch. We didn't do that because we care about gas grills a whole lot. What does that do? That by the Holy Spirit's power, perfects love in us. That people can look at a bunch of people mowing their lawn and be like, why are they doing that? And then we can show them why that's actually happening because we are beloved by God. We are the beloved of God. And the word says no one has ever seen God. So how will they see God if the people that are his don't act like him? And don't show his love to the world. It is up to us to do this, church. And I know that you know this. And I know that this is common language that you've heard over and over and over again. And three times in the biblical text today. And you've heard me say it over and over and over again. Every week we've had this sermon series. In verse 7, 11, and 12, it says, love one another. And if we can't figure it out, if we can't love one another, then I think we miss the gospel. Then we miss what the gospel actually is. And if all of us, you know, we walk around and we have our nose up and we're, you know, smarter than thou, holier than thou, richer than thou, everything that you can imagine, better than thou, then the world looks at the church and they're like, no, thank you. I'm not interested. But if we know from where we've been brought and from where we're going to, and we know it and we know it and we understand it and we receive it and we live it out out of the Holy Spirit's empowering inside of us, that's the Christian apologetic, right? That if somebody walks in this church that you've never seen before, I, I, did, I told this joke in first service and they didn't get it. So I'm hoping that you, you, y'all hipper folks do. Uh, and you know, they walk in and it's somebody you've never seen before and they smell like, you know, basil or oregano or uh, some other herb that is being smoked. Um, and we look at them and we look at them like Forrest Gump and we're like, can't sit here. What is that? That's not Christ. That's not Jesus. That's not his church. That's not the beloved. Now, I'm not saying that we have to go out there and be reckless all the time. But I am saying that if we as his church can figure this out, then the world will figure it out. Because love, just, it can't be fueled by human emotion. We can't just make it happen inside of us. Love begins with the Father. It's personified in the Son. It's perfected through the Spirit. God the Father is love. God the Son is love. God the Spirit is love. And if we can understand the gospel, then we can be that love to the world. Then we can be that love to our brothers and sisters. We can be that in life groups. We can be that in service projects. We can be that no matter where we go in our marriages, at our schools at our jobs because I don't know about you but I, I want more people to know who Jesus really is. I don't, we don't need any help bad mouthing the church right? The church is doing a plenty good job at putting forth a bad effort. I'm just wondering if we've got a congregation right here that wants to put forth the right effort by saying love begins with the Father, it's personified in the Son, perfected in the Spirit and we want to walk it out. In every one of your bulletins today you got one of these. It's a quinfold. I had to look up what that word meant because it has five folds in it. It's a quinfold gospel track. And you may be thinking, oh, I don't need that. I know the gospel, right? And it's got these icons on it that all of our lovely, beautiful children shouted out on Christmas Eve if you were here that night. And then this green page says if you're ready to respond, you flip it over. And then it's got the ABCs, right? Really, really simple gospel track. And if you know the gospel and you're living the gospel out, because I know dozens and dozens of us up under the sound of my voice right now are doing that. I know that. I see it. Then this is for you more than it is for somebody that doesn't have it in their hands right now. Because you need to give this to somebody. 
because you need to share the gospel with somebody this week. And maybe you just need a green piece of paper in your hand to do it. Maybe if you just go to Kroger or you go to Costco or wherever you go, I guarantee you somebody doesn't know this to be true. And if you do, then you have a call on your life to make sure others do too. We all have a call on our life to be the witness to the world, right? It's, we don't have to be a super skilled evangelist, but you just need to let somebody push their shopping cart in front of you and cut you off and you don't swear at them, right? And then you say, hey, I'd actually like to share something with you. So take this with you. But if you've never heard the gospel before, if you've never known or understood the gospel before, don't let today go by without reading this. Because we have to understand this. If we're going to understand truly that God is love and we're going to live it out. I've heard many of us complain in the past five years of being here. I'm, I'm guilty too, right? We complain. We want Christ. We want him to come. We want his word, his works, his will, his ways to be pervasive in all of our lives. And the best way to do that is to continue to share the gospel. The best way to do that is to live it out. To be an attractive apologetic, an attractive witness to a world that needs it. So I'd like to invite everybody to stand to your feet. We're going to sing a song uh, together as our application for the message. It's been our application for the message now for two straight weeks. It's a song called, I Need You More. Because we can't stir it up in ourselves, friends. We can't make ourselves loving. Love is perfected through the Spirit. So only through the Holy Spirit of the living God indwelling inside of us can we be the type of love that the world needs to see. So as we sing this song, I need you more, make it your heart's cry to God that I truly do need you more. I'm not just singing, I'm not just standing here watching because it would be rude to leave while other people are singing. Make this true of yourself, that each and every one of us, no matter where you stand before God today, need him more. No matter where we are, no one is the most righteous person in every room they're in. Jesus is who we need. So I'm going to close us in a word of prayer, and then we're going to continue with our worship celebration, celebrating how desperate we are for Jesus. Father, I love you, I praise you, I thank you, I trust you, I believe you, and I thank you that you have given your son, Jesus Christ, so that I may have fellowship with you, so that I can spend eternity with you, so that I can experience life abundantly here on earth with you, through the indwelling of your Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit of the living God, please move in us today. Move us to works of compassion. Move us to works of mercy. Move us to works of transformation in people's lives. Knowing that we have you living inside of us so nothing's impossible. Would you wake us up today? Wake us up to your love today. Wake us up to our desperation for you today. And as we sing this song, as we're here in your presence, I pray that we would have minds and hearts ready to be ministered to. We ask all these things in the only name worth asking in. The name that we give praise to right now, the name of Jesus. Let's put our hands together for our Savior, Jesus Christ, as we give praise and worship to his name. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.